Hi everyone. If you like what you've been hearing, please consider subscribing to the Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbon. That's H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. The Patreon's really the lifeblood of the podcast. It lets me dedicate the time that I need to play the games, to talk to our guests, to really set everything up and, and make everything as sharp as it is. Um, without it, uh, no cartridge really wouldn't exist the way it does today. If you don't like monthly pledges, I totally get it. Uh, there's also paypal.me backslash Hagelbon, and we can try and figure something out there. Or you can email me at nocartridgeaudio at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, and I will try and answer your emails as quickly as I can. Thanks so much for your support, and enjoy the show. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbond on Twitter, and I have with me today someone, actually, uh, folks have been wanting him on the show for a while, uh, and uh, and I can't help but agree. Uh, he goes online, I uh, do not eat, that's probably where you see his t- his Twitter and videos, but uh, Justin, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, people, I, I, I can't tell you how many times people have uh, messaged me, Like, and it was funny because... Um, I think they messaged me when they, when you started uh, making videos, and then your your sort of like meteoric rise in in the, in the field of of, of YouTube, uh, people uh, people started by saying like, yeah, you should definitely have this guy in the show. He's super interesting. And then later on, it was like it was more of an aspirational thing, like, oh, you should see if you can get him. Like, you know, just I, 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 I no one should say you should see if you can get him. If you say come on a podcast, they'll be like, ooh, podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> They're fun. I like. I didn't realize. You know, it, it's funny because I uh, I've had that experience with a lot of people um, where I've asked them to come on and I've been like, ah, oh, I hope this isn't an imposition, and people will just like jump up and be like, a podcast, <laughs> of course. <Yeah. laughs> What a novelty! <laughs> we're in like we're like Edison's uh, Edison's films at this point. Um, all right, yeah. so like you were saying, I mean, and, and this makes sense to me. You were saying that the that podcasts are kind of a novelty to you because there's so much less work <coughs> than making videos. It's true. Yeah, it's uh, you know I just have to talk, and and then there's someone else there also talking. So that's like <laughs> half the work actually. Yeah, so like, can you walk us through the process of making a? Because I mean, this is I'm I am I am one hundred percent terrible at making videos and doing YouTube and anything like that. Like I've tried a couple of times, and I just you know my most you know most of my videos are just there as archival uh, things that are never viewed. So you know, like, what is it? What is the process? What is the the structure of doing what you do? So um. I, I mean, what I usually do um, in the research, I, I think, in writing the script is the hardest part uh, okay. at the end of the day, right? It's because um, uh, I usually like it, the, the the tough part is knowing what to research, I suppose, and, and then you know putting that together. So uh, I you know I do the research, I write the script, you know, and then uh, you go into city skylines and you build the the, the visuals, right? And usually I have to, you know, I speed up the footage that I record six times. And <laughs> six times, uh, wow. It yeah, just makes you look really good at City Skylines. No, I'm crap at it. Like, there's <laughs> a lot of people who are a lot better. Uh, I, I, I look at other people doing detailing, like uh, I think Prez on YouTube, he's one of them who does a, a lot of real high detail stuff. Uh, and I'm like, wow, I wish I could do detail like that. Uh, but, you know, I... I, I, I I guess I make up for that by talking about what I, how the stuff I'm building works. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I find that you can make up a lot of uh, skill gap by just talking a lot. That's been both my <laughs> academic and podcasting career. It's just, you know, just fill, fill the space. Throw, throw in some padding there, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, let, me, let me make the font 12.3. Uh, <laughs> no one's going to notice that. That's a, that's a good tip for students. You don't want to make the font... 13 you want to add those little decimals those are hard to pick up 
you can swap out Times New Roman for Georgia, the characters are slightly wider, so you get you might get another like three or four lines out of a page. Oh, and that can uh, be huge over over yeah. time. I mean, this is the thing, right? Where you're you're making a video that's uh, that's you know thirty minutes long, um, but your footage is sped up six times. I mean, that's like you got to find those moments to to space out because. I mean, God, that's what like six hours of, of skylines right there, or three hours uh, uh, at, at yeah, on a good something day, like that. On a on a good day, I, I mean, I I I I either have too much footage or not enough. It never, I never get like the exact amount I want, you know. And then I have to go in and I have to, you know, try and do some paddings or padding or it records some more cinematics or something like that. Uh, <laughs> Um, so how do you how do you pin down what you'd like to research? Because it, it's, I I think it's, I mean obviously we'll talk about politics at some point. Um, and it's like you clearly have a very left uh, sensibility insofar as yes, you know even even the sort of like not explicitly political videos will often have a political hook, which I like a lot. Where like the you know the Franklin video, <coughs> which I was saying that was the one I was rewatching. So I'll try not to reference it too much, but uh, it was just the one that I I sort of was like. Um, I was like, I should rewatch one of these for the for the podcast. Yeah. Um, but that starts with sort of an abolish ice and a discussion of ice and why we should abolish ice sort of uh, moment, and then goes into Franklin and, and sort of ties these things in together in, in a certain. It's a very kind of synthetic way. It, it doesn't feel forced. Um, so, what makes you like? What brings you to your research work? I mean, you seem to have this interest in left politics and history and, and all sorts of things. I, you know, I'd say the left politics just crept in there. I didn't intend it to be a political project. It was just something I, I could do while I was unemployed. Uh, Fair and, enough. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of, it's hard to do history without the politics creeping in there, you know. Uh, I, starting from, you know, Baby's first left-wing history book, uh, <laughs> People's History of the United States, uh, and then... Uh, you know, just trying to research uh, specific things that happened in Philadelphia to sort of do analogs of them in Franklin. Uh, you know, the, but the politics is there, you know, the whole time. I, I can't say, I, I'm not gonna, you know, try and feign like a neutral point of view when no such thing exists. No, that's, that's reasonable. I think like, you know, that's one of the things that has become, I think in video games recently, and I mean, in part because uh, Ubisoft is so terrible at politics, um, but they, you know, the 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 Division Two is uh, is this sort of looter shooter um, that is saying it is anti, it is apolitical. Like there are no politics in it. It's not a political game. Um, but like at every turn, they uh, they keep producing uh, things that are political, and people keep saying like this is political, and saying it's not political is actually worse. Um, you know, Get like your politics out of my video games. <laughs> it, it's actually the opposite. They're all they're all conservatives, and the, the division two is way fash. Um, it's like it's like I, I you know, and I, I use I, I try to keep I you know Twitter Twitter is uh, is very uh, open about just calling things fash, and um, while that works a lot of times, you want to be careful to to keep keep the historical grounding there. But uh, Div- division two, yeah, one hundred percent. But uh, but yeah, no, I agree. Like the the idea that you can separate yourself from some sort of political platform um, is not only impossible, but probably uh, more politically problematic than just having a politics in the first place. Yeah. Um, so, so do you, um, so that, that kind of answers my question of like, which you go after first. Um, what in like, what in history, what, what about like, actually, let me ask this. This is more interesting. What about, the construction of like towns, areas, settlements, uh, cities. What about that speaks to you? Like, why why focus on that as a as a medium? Well, uh, I think most of us uh, live in uh, towns or cities, right? Uh, <laughs> bold, bold I, I, but bold. But now I'm thinking about it. You're probably right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and there's not there's uh, so I grew up in a place called Burke, Virginia, right? And this is uh, you're sort of it's. Uh, it was a, a planned community that was um, built after the federal government, uh, you know, they, they swiped a whole bunch of land from the people who lived there because they were going to build Dulles Airport there. Mm. And they wound up, uh, there was enough grassroots, op- 
grassroots opposition there from enough well-connected people that they they decided instead we're going to build Dulles Airport in Loudoun County where we can take land from uh, former sharecroppers instead of, you know, white people. Hmm. Uh, so, but Burke, Virginia is one of those planned suburban communities, right? And, and, and one thing that was, was always confusing to me when I was a kid was, uh, you know, wh why is this place the way it is, right? Why, why can't we walk anywhere? Why is there no corner store? Why is there no, why, why is there absolutely nothing like here, right? A little so bit, a little bit like a Levittown or something, right? It's uh, yeah, it's a little newer than a Levittown. Okay, uh, it's from uh, I think most of Burke was built out in the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties. Okay, yeah, you're talking um, a couple, a few decades. But I would say, yeah. I, I would say, um, you know, gr growing up in a suburban hellscape really <laughs> sort of uh, uh, piqued my interest in you know how city planning works and how you know why places look the way they do and how, how you know, policies and, you know, zoning and stuff like that, ordinances, how, how they determine how a place looks and how it functions. Hmm. And that, like, did that transition anywhere into your, like, into your adult life other than cities? Did you, did you sort of uh, uh, start learning about or go into professional work in, in urban planning or anything? I wound up studying civil engineering and then That'll finding do it. out while I was <laughs> doing the degree that, you know, there's very little urban planning involved in civil engineering and vice versa. I mean, mm -hmm. these, these, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of like your architecture, your civil engineering, your, your and urban planning. These are like three separate things where the folks don't talk to each other unless they have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds very academic. Um, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so did it? So it never really transitioned into like the practical, <clears throat> like the practical field you were hoping it, hoping for it. I, I would say it never, never really super transitioned into there. Yeah, it was because um, uh, I worked, uh, I worked in historic preservation for a while. Uh, I worked in uh, at the public housing authority for a while. Um, none of this was like, you know, pl urban planning or something like that. I mean, I guess the housing authority kind of was. Right. But, you know, e even there, you're, you're at the behest of um, developers' uh, interests. <laughs> yeah. And it seems to me like, so tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that one of the things that interests you most about uh, the kind of urban planning and, and, and thinking about the way cities and towns work, um, and one of the things that, well, sort of goes along with your question about why Burke was the way it was, it seems like what you like about um, urban planning, or, or uh, such as you're imagining it, is that history and space sort of have this um, link, right? Like, have a, have a way, you, you sort of can understand history through space, and vice versa. Um, and at this point, it sort of seems like um, history, is, history and space have to do with the fact that developers want land to build more houses. Uh, or to build more things for people to live in or to buy. Whereas something like, I don't know, um, you think about, I mean, you think about early, uh, you know, American port towns or um, even something like, uh, you know, the way a city like Philadelphia develops, there's a much more layered history there. Do you, do you see that, do you see that connection as being like uh, relevant to your work or is that something that I'm just kind of like uh, putting on there? It's it's very very relevant actually. It's um so I I mean, uh, sort of the way the way cities have historic uh, have developed historically, shove those words together there, uh, <laughs> is, is obviously that's why I did the Franklin series to show how a city develops over time. Right. Right. And uh, you know especially a lot of our development before we had you know modern zoning laws and building codes was uh, you know it's it's some of still the most desirable housing, you know, in the entire city, um, you know, I, 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 it's, uh, it's a lot more expensive to get a Trinity in Society Hill than it is to get, uh, I don't know, some kind of, some kind of McMansion out in Ambler or somewhere like that. Right. Uh, yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, like, and, and Philadelphia is the fascinating, uh, uh, wrinkle of, um, the main line, right? Like even, even if you think about like, the suburbs versus the the mainline suburbs, the just the sort of like the old um, the old existence of that railway of that train line is just like it still is determining you know socioeconomic distribution. 
Right, it's, you know, you got like lots of nice little town centers strung up along the main line. I like, uh, I think Narbeth is my favorite. That's the, uh, they got like a nice little town square right by the train station. It's really nice. Oh, it's, uh, yeah. Obviously, there is a socioeconomic divide. I, I mean, L Lower Marion is full of the world's worst people. Uh, <laughs> Good. Hometown of Kobe Bryant. <coughs> Fam famous Laker and terrible person. <laughs> No, yeah, and it's it. You know, I have I I I won't I won't I won't uh, uh, throw everyone in the main line into the guillotine because I have family there, and at least until the revolution happens, and I'm also in the guillotine. You know, they don't have to be there. But there's a fair amount of people going to the guillotine. Uh, yeah, not all of them, let's, <laughs> let's 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 give it a solid seventy five percent. Yeah, but um, I, think I can handle that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's extremely it's extremely wealthy and extremely bougie. And yeah, it always it always struck me how the the sort of like sedimentation of history there, it, it like I never understood why the main line was the main line until someone said, oh yeah, it was a train line. Like it that was like that was why. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh okay, there's a sedimentation of history there that I just like I had no idea about, but still maintains a clear like sort of heuristic power. Yeah, I, 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 and the main line very definitely like. It still has the main line, the the Pennsylvania Railroad's main line out to Pittsburgh and Chicago, uh, right there in the middle of it. You can't go to Chicago on the main line anymore. You <laughs> no, you can't. Uh, but the um, uh, I forgot where I was going with this crap. Uh, well, that's okay. Um, well, I, so so talk to me a little bit about how you like. Obviously, with Franklin, that's a that's a, a practical or a practical esque sort of um, uh, explanation or, or or presentation of how history and space work together. Um, do you have any favorite, uh, you know, towns, cities, historical places that you either have covered or want to cover, uh, just in like in 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 the real world that uh, reference that sort of reflect this uh, connection for you? Hmm. Um, I mean, if I keep going with the series for a long time, I'd love to like cover uh, some some of like uh, the real important developments in sort of urban planning, you know, as architecture uh, mm. in the past. You know, stuff like Hausman's Paris or uh, maybe uh, Pius the Sixth renovation of Rome or something. I think it's Pius the Sixth. I don't remember. <laughs> so, someone's gonna. It's gonna turn out to be fifth. I am, and I'm going to be embarrassed. Uh, I would say that people wouldn't comment on this podcast, but the the sort of like the 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 extreme Catholic heads are out in force these days. So I'm sure. Oh, yeah, the, 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 the tradcath Twitter is is expanding rapidly. And, you know, some and I, I they follow me. I know they do, and it's just it's going to be. We're both going to get in trouble. I'm not even going to try to guess which one it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play uh, Switzerland on this one. I know Hausman's uh, <laughs> Paris, though. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's the that's the one that's a little more visible. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> so any big uh, diagonal street in Rome? No, that's uh, that was Pius the sixth or fifth. Hmm. One one of the two. Those like the the I feel like in in and I've never thought about this before, so this might be a totally terrible thought. Um, but like. It strikes me that the the sort of like great man great man narratives of history are almost always um, simplifications and and kind of like um, you know not a new critique uh, that they're simplifications or, or ways of understanding history that benefit you know people who already have power within history. But um, it strikes me that there is an argument to be made that um, the massive uh, changes in cities generally from something more populous to something more uh, streamlined, uh, almost all sort of follow that model a lot. Like, um, I'm thinking now of, um, I always forget his name, you'll know it, um, uh, and I shouldn't forget it, but the the guy who put in the, uh, the, uh, the, um, the Robert Bronx. Moses. Thank you, Robert Moses. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think about him a lot, and then every so often I'll forget his name. But Robert Moses is another great example <laughs> Uh, just cutting a highway through the Bronx, like the, it, it's such a, it's such a massively powerful and and damaging thing that it, I mean it's just like it's, yeah. Once you want, I, I feel like it's hard to think about it as damaging or or powerful until you've actually seen it. Like if you drive on that highway through the Bronx and you think like 
there was a neighborhood here. You're just like, man, this is crazy. Yeah, you can see like vestiges of the street grid where it, where it cut through. And the, the weird thing is, uh, you know, I think Robert Moses does kind of single-handedly, uh, you know, okay, maybe, maybe there was one great man in history you know, <laughs> that we have to, we have to, okay, Robert Moses basically did all of this on his own because uh, not, not only did he, um, you know, he managed to secure a lot of funding for highways and he managed to secure the legal power to demolish all of this stuff. He also managed to, he, he was one of the main writers of the, the legislature that, authorized the interstate highway system. Unbelievable. Uh, and, and that's why there are interstate highways that run through downtowns all over America, because as as the system was originally envisioned, the highways would stop outside of major cities. You might have a ring road, but you certainly wouldn't have them going through downtowns. And then Robert Moses was like, ah, we should probably uh, we, we should probably build some highways in the middle of the city and you know put put them through black and Jewish neighborhoods. You know, <laughs> what a what a what a cool, an absolute cool. No, I I didn't know that, though, because it explains, like, I lived in Chicago for, like, six years, and it it absolutely explains (coughs) what's going on in Chicago, why there's, like, huge highways through generally the the poorer neighborhoods in there. I didn't realize that that was uh, something that was systemic. It was was very much a systemic thing. Robert Moses was a consultant uh, pretty much everywhere. Wow. you know, even overseas, uh, I think uh, I think he did. Uh, I think he did some freeways in Stockholm. Uh, I think I'm not sure. <laughs> we exported uh, him. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you how do you balance this? Is, this is just, and I mean, it's it's not to say that you know what you do has any particular like uh, particularly bad uh, connection to like history or, or politics or whatever more than anyone else's. I mean, everything we do has to be reckoned with on some level or another. Um, but how do you sort of understand what you're doing with city planning and, and you know, playing around in, in sort of like the skylines and stuff with this understanding of, of planning and building and, 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 and uh, development now less as something that like helps people or, or gets people a home or whatever, and more as something that just kind of like streamlines or, or abets uh, capital. I, I'd say part of it is lived experiences. Mm. Um, Cause you know, I've been kicked out of my house for new development. Uh, I've uh, you know, had, had, uh, I've, I've ex- I, I don't want to say I've, I've experienced gentrification. I guess I kind of have, but I guess I'm kind of also a gentrifier now that I'm a, High-income uh, Patreon uh, grifter, uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I mean it's uh, it's it's a it's a living. <laughs> it's true, you know. It's it, you know it, you gotta you gotta make money somehow. Um, so uh, part of it's like uh, a lived experience, but you know it's it's it, you gotta consider the factors that the city builder game doesn't put in front of you, right? You know when you're taking out houses, when you're taking out businesses, you know. People live and work there, right? Right. You know, and you you can do this largely consequence free in say city skylines. And in real life, uh, it's it's pretty bad when you you know just start demolishing people's houses and businesses and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, people don't like it. Um, and mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and and as it turns out, yeah, <laughs> as I, it happens, people. I think that hard to explain. The argument has some uh, some something behind it, I think, when it is actually in your backyard. Yeah, not, not, <laughs> come on, it's, you're just doing NIMBY. No, you're trying to demolish my backyard. Um, <laughs> it's not even my backyard, it's my house. Not, not in my house. Nim- I think this is a fairly, that's a fairly valid argument. Yeah. No, and, you know, I wonder how much of this do you see... St- like in in the city builder because skylines is skylines is far and away like the most uh and maybe i'm wrong about this but it seems to me far and away the most like sim friendly uh uh uh, game uh builder that's been out like it's it's not like in terms of just like being able to sim the experience of building something in the way that say uh you're a truck simulator or farm simulator or any of the sort of sim games does it seems like skylines does the best job of that uh-huh. Um, I would say probably SimCity 4 was the peak of, you know, like the, 
the the the, the simulation, the city sims. Okay. In terms of like the uh, <coughs> the depth of the simulation, right? Okay. Because um, yeah, before that, that was like the the last hurrah of the statistically based city sims. Um, you know, and you had you know different socioeconomic classes, and you had you know that sort of vague simulation of that, and then and then everything sort of devolved from there. Uh, City Skylines re uh, represents like the first uh, agent-based simulator, which is you know uh, good. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I I wonder like because I was going to ask about SimCity and the way that it's um, like the politics of it, and people have been talking about this a lot recently, but it's it's not anything that I think they've hidden. The politics of SimCity and sort of the way that the win-loss conditions work in that game are based off of, like, extremely conservative uh, economic white papers by, like, you know, uh, you know University of Chicago uh, folks. Um, like, that, that way that, like, yeah. that conservatism is writ large through SimCity. I mean, how do we... And, like, this is a question you can ask of any video game. Like, it's certainly not related only to SimCity. I think that would be unfair. But like, how do you sort of reckon with that? Like, how do you how do you play the game against its own win loss conditions? Um, well, I don't know that there's a there's a technical win loss condition in in any simulator uh, or city simulator. Um, but yeah, that the the certainly some of the uh, some of the economic assumptions are very much uh, you know. Uh, high tax is bad. Low tax is good. Uh, <laughs> right. Something, something. Uh, if you if you tax high wealth people, they'll move out. But you can tax low wealth people really easily. Uh, it, but of course, when I when I play the game, um, what what I do is uh, basically turn off everything. Um, <laughs> well, that would help right, with the win loss. I, I, yeah. I, when I'm when I'm doing these, uh, I, I it. To the point where, you know, for the purposes of what I'm doing, I'm essentially running a diorama as opposed to, you know, a, uh, a city simulator. Um, Interesting. You know, yeah. Or I suppose, meant not a diorama because dioramas don't move. I'm running a model railroad. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> Which, I mean, in some ways the model railroad is like the peak of um, political but not, <coughs> not hurting anyone uh, that you could possibly want. Where, like... You know, some someone with a model railroad in their basement that wants to make a town a particular way, even if you don't like it, um, can kind of do it without any sort of negative repercussions. Um, it doesn't have any assumptions behind it other than the player's central assumptions, other than like what you bring to the table. Yeah, the big, the big, the biggest constraint is uh, the size of your basement. Uh, <laughs> and and I mean, city skylines is like the biggest basement in the world. Yeah, it'd be pretty big. Yeah, let me think. It's like what. Uh... You'd be that's probably that's probably a good warehouse size if we're HO scale. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is this keying into some some like deep held uh, 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 personal desire to to build models, like to build physical models that you're, you're sort of like sublimating onto onto like a virtual space? Do you, do you feel like you're you're speaking to a particular need there? Ah, uh, yeah. My my need is for model trains to be cheaper and for me to have more space. <laughs> Which is, uh, as we've as we've sort of hinted at in the in the in the uh, podcast thus far, space and uh, and economics are the two things you can't really change very easily. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's pretty difficult for me to like um, uh, uh, I don't know just suddenly have a huge basement and also thousands and thousands of dollars <laughs> so I can buy one brass locomotive uh <laughs> one, one, one five uh five inch section of track that it like really really yeah. works yeah <laughs> yeah no and, and and that like that totally makes sense to me I, you know there's i talked to a long time ago um on his show i talked to the um one of the hosts of uh, street fight uh, uh brian uh, quimby about uh simulation games and and the reasons we play simulation games and one of the things i was saying in it is that you know, like, I, I really like playing Euro Truck Simulator. Um, and one of the reasons I like playing Euro Truck Simulator is because it um, it feels like I'm doing a job, but it's so unlike my actual job. It has, like, and you'll, you'll appreciate this because you're also a Patreon hustler like me. Um, it, has a, um, it has a set start and end time. It has a certain set of, uh, you know, 
conditions I have to complete. I have to get the cargo from one place to another. It's fairly dull, but it's like, it's consistent and it's work that's not really alienated from me. Like I choose to do the work. Um, no one's profiting off of my work. It's just work in, in the true abstract, right? And so like, that's what always appealed to me about simulations. But in some ways it's like, in some ways it feels like what you're saying about City of Skylines is that it's it's basically, um, it, it, it's kind of like a leisure uh, unalienated, like where you can sort of say like, no, this is my leisure and um, it's not, it's constrained by the price of city skylines, but it's not constrained by the idea that you have to have the privilege of space and disposable income to continue the, the hobby from there. It's just imagining when you're talking about Euro truck simulator, you know, you're driving the truck down the highway and you turn on the, the radio and it's, Hey, welcome to street fun. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh. Make it happen. I would, that would be, that would be, a, I, someone has to have made a podcast mod, right? For, for, for that? There's got to be a podcast. I mean, the worst case scenario is you just run a podcast in the background. Oh, that's, that's uh, such a, such a good I, idea. I, Street Fight seems like a good truck driving podcast. Oh yeah, I'm sure that, I mean, they've, they've, they've talked to truck drivers. I would, I mean, oh, that's, I mean, I want to say true, for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's like over there, over there, like 500 episodes. Um, I, I can't, I can't call to call to mind exactly the interview now, but yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a perfect truck driving, uh, truck driving sim. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you think about, what do you think about the, this is actually something interesting I just realized talking about Street Fight and that uh, we both sort of appreciate that, that uh, their aesthetic and their goals and their politics. Like the, it strikes me that like model railroad building, and I'm thinking a lot about like British procedurals <coughs> and stuff, like who you see building model railroads are always eccentric, yeah. um, rich British people who have no children and it's just the the railroad that is their child or it's you know a dad who has an entire basement to himself and he builds um and the gender there is is intentional usually it's men doing it um in in uh in fiction uh but is there like is there something about is that is that like uh is that a historically done thing like is is it is it particularly a rich leisure class thing to want to build or is that something that has been uh, constructed that way uh i would say uh model railroad culture is a little more influential over modern uh sort of you know tech culture than than you might think mm. um a lot of a lot of the early like it, it goes back to uh the mit model railroad club back in uh i think the 70s or 80s uh, that's where, you know, a lot of the people who were, you know, in, uh, in, in like the developing computer sort of region, I, I, I'd have to like go back and look it up. I know a lot of programmer terms today came directly from that model railroad. Club. Oh, that's fascinating. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea. It's, um, it is. So there's, um, uh, certainly been a very male-dominated uh, hobby for a very, very long time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess in terms of gender, maybe that that is not a stereotype that that is incorrect. But I, I wonder, like, is there a way to understand, like, a uh, you know, the the term is so deeply. Uh, um, I don't want to say problematic. That makes it sound so serious. Uh, <laughs> it's it. it it's fraught, let's say, but like, is there a way to sort of like think about building or like models or, uh, you know, the, the, the occupation of like a hobby like that from sort of a, a less educated, less, um, you know, more, let's say, let's say the term dirtbag kind of approach, right? Like, like the, the idea of like a dirtbag left, but for hobbyism, um, is suddenly sort of an interesting idea to me thinking about, you know, what opens up when you don't have to worry about space and money nearly as much? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's definitely uh, that. That's one of the things that the, the computer has done for us. Is uh, you know, you, you suddenly have all the space in the world uh, to drive the train. Uh, you know, I'm sort of see. Uh, is it the new the new VR game, uh, Rolling Line? Oh, I haven't seen that uh, yet. We're, we're, Oh, it's great! You you can you can just. Uh, I was on a stream with my friend Jay recently where where we tried it out. It was uh, you know because that's a VR model railroad game, 
uh, fantastic because wow. you just have an infinite amount of trains you can play with. And, of course, you can go and pick up the train and just throw it across the room. You know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, picking, up, he's picking up the train that infinitely responds, and I'm just, I got the Walters catalog out, and I'm just quoting the price. You know, that was 75 bucks. That was 80 bucks. That was forty-five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Up? I mean, that's, <laughs> maybe maybe the joy in it is just like the idea of going through all that money, being like, I can destroy whatever I want. It might it might explain yeah, exactly. why. I got a I got a pile of trains in front of me. <laughs> I am I am king of all I survey. I'm, I'm, I'm train king. Yeah, I, <laughs> it reminds me of turning on disasters in uh, SimCity 2000, and then like not just turning on disasters, but like summoning the disasters being like oh i'm just gonna make the city and uh oh what's this an alien invasion like that kind of uh that kind <laughs> of destructive tendency that wasn't malicious necessarily but was had had something more <coughs> just like spectacle yeah it's 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 definitely it's fun i don't use disasters too much but it is fun to do every once in a while when I do the climate change episode, then we'll see some disasters. Oh boy, <laughs> you got a climate change episode in the in the tank? That's uh, it's coming up. I may have to do like a two parter, which Ooh. will be like, okay, here here's the positive one, here's the negative one. The negative one's gonna be bad. Uh, I, bet. <laughs> I bet. Are you are you gonna be using skylines, or are you gonna be trying? Uh, does that have? I, a... I definitely use. I use skylines to like you know I I want to demonstrate you know some of the effects on some. Uh, I, I'm thinking of doing something based on Atlantic City. Uh, oh boy, that's gonna be that's gonna be apocalyptic. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Does does Skylines have the capacity for that? Can you can you work it so that it it has rising sea levels and stuff? I have no idea. I'm gonna try find out though. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I like. <laughs> no. It's it's. Uh, I, I talked to a buddy of mine, Ian, um, a while back on the show about this. Um, this quality in civilization games and 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 like 4K uh, 4X games, excuse me, um, and apparently the new Civilization uh, uh, um, six. Uh, why is this word? It's not mod. It's a it's a, an add on a, um, a DLC. Has a um, is basically climate change apocalypse. Like the whole point is like it adds in climate change as sort of like this ticking clock disaster for your civilization. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, but now I'm thinking, like, how many games can you tweak so that they actually sort of exhibit those those characteristics? Like, that very under-the-hood, um, you know, what can I change about my simulation to make it more like the real world kind of thing? That's, uh, I'm going to be looking forward to those videos. I heard the climate change thing for, for civilization was a little... Uh superficial right it oh just really had rising sea levels and that was like the main thing uh, you know, you're not dealing with stuff like ocean acidification where you know uh suddenly uh the ocean has the amount of co2 in it that a soft drink does and then uh you know all the little little plankton and stuff can't uh can't really reproduce and then we just run out of oxygen you know fun stuff like that uh that's a that's a cool idea i like <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a fun one. Um, okay, yeah, that's that's a drag. I um, I hadn't seen any reviews. I mean, both are drags. I, I suppose ocean acidification, where we run out of oxygen, is a bigger drag than the DLC for Civilization VI not being uh, being a little underwhelming. But you know, I mean, yes, uh, reasonable minds can disagree. Uh, <laughs> but no, I uh, yeah, I, I hadn't read any any reviews of of the Civ Six DLCs uh, yet, and or that DLC particularly. Um, so that's a that's a bummer. I I had kind of hoped that they would uh, they would do a little more with that. Um, so let me ask you about um, let me ask you about some of the the, the series you're doing um, and, and and like the the continuing uh, concepts you're doing on your on your on your page. Um, you you have the Franklin series, and then you have yeah. um, I want to get the name right because uh, I get names wrong all the time uh, unless they're in front of me. Uh, the um, you're doing the uh, power planning and politics series. Um, yeah. Which uh, what what is like? Can you can you tell us a little bit about that? I started that series because I was frustrated with how slow Franklin was going, and I was like, I'm not going to be able to, you know, make an episode about highways until. I don't know, like 2020, I better, you know, and, and some of the, some of this stuff is a little more relevant, uh, right now. So I, I, I'll start a separate series where we talk about just, you know, random stuff and I got a big backlog of episodes to do. Uh, but, um, it's, uh, 
Uh, I, I start, yeah, I started that because I, I, it, was, it was not so fun to talk about, you know, the early 1800s all the time. I want to talk about, you know, stuff that happened now or stuff that happened, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Like, I can understand that. So you're sort of approaching, you're basically going to meet in a middle ground where Franklin and the uh, the power planning and poli- or power politics and planning uh, meet in the middle and sort of create a singularity. That'll yeah. be good. Um and you also you also have I I want to know about this. You also have a bit on uh, Elon Musk's loop, uh, which is awful. We no one likes the loop. Um, talk to us yes. about why you think it's bad because I think I think it's bad because it's uh, stupid, um, which is a very bad. Re- I mean, it's it's not robust. It's not rigorous or anything. That's that's uh, that is a very good reason actually <laughs> for it to be bad. Is that it is it's dumb. It's a very dumb idea. Uh, the, the it's, it's a dumb idea because you know it's um so when Elon Musk thinks about transit systems he 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 so when when you think about transit systems in general what's important number one frequency number two is speed number three is coverage right so you mm-hmm. you want vehicles that come frequently you want them to get where you're going pretty quickly and and you want you know the stops to be near where you're going and you want a fairly direct route now Elon Musk gets frequency very right but to the point where it's detrimental to the rest of the system, right? Okay. It's just basic ideas, you know, these pods are going to be coming, like, what, every every couple seconds, right? Right. And, 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 and I think you're, you're getting diminishing returns if your frequency is more than, like, a vehicle every two minutes or so, right? At that point, you're just causing more problems than you're solving. Yeah, I'm thinking about right? it, like, you know, getting everything. on and off and all that. Yeah, like riding any subway anywhere, two minutes sounds like the limit two minutes is great if if you're only waiting two minutes on the subway platform that's fine as opposed to you know all of this engineering that elon's putting into getting minuscule returns uh and and it's also you know a huge uh it's a huge safety problem when you're running people's cars through tiny tunnels at 150 miles an hour uh, it's it's just silly. It's a very silly idea. Uh, I like why do you why do you think these ideas gain traction? Because like I mean, not that it. Well, I don't want to actually. I'm not going to caveat that because like it has gained traction. It, it it almost got made in Chicago. It's looking like it might get made in Las Vegas. Like why does this gain traction? It's it just feels like a, a needless sci-fi idea that we would have kind of like worked our way through in the like post Fifth Element world. Like, it, it doesn't feel, it feels very, um, it doesn't even feel like like a plausible solution. It, like, I don't know how you'd sell it to taxpayers. I don't know how you'd sell it to anyone. Why does this kind of stuff gain traction, do you think? People think trains are old-fashioned. So, they go to great lengths to figure out systems that do everything that trains do, but they're not trains. Mm, okay. <laughs> Especially something politicians are guilty of. Because uh, you know they want they want the future, right? Right. Because um, this happens more than just like with the loop. I know that there's uh, I believe um, there's a couple politicians up in Canada. They want to build a high speed train from Toronto to Montreal, right? Which is a fairly obvious corridor because it's very flat. It's very open. But they don't they don't want to do a high speed train. They want to do a monorail. Right, you know, okay. for the sake, primarily for the sake of it not being a train. Huh. Uh, that's that's so weird. I, I, I mean, I, I guess you're right. Like now that I'm thinking about it, it's hard to pitch a train because people think that it's people associate it with coal, with dirt, with uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's sad. That's depressing. Uh, I mean, is this is this like do do maglev trains and stuff like that? Is there any? Is there do they are they guilty of this too? Is this all just like needless um, uh, building for building's sake? Are we are we kind of going away from just like a solution we already had? I mean, maglev trains are, are are very much something with a pretty niche application, or there's something like um, like the Japanese are building a, a maglev between I think Tokyo and Osaka. It's gonna be finished in like 2030. The the Chuo Shinkansen, right? Mm-hmm. And it's. Uh, and 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 this is you know this is what the tech is going to look like if you're actually seriously building it out is that it's it's very expensive it takes a long time to build 
because there's a lot of tight clearances and you know uh, uh, stuff like that in order to sh you know rocket 2,000 people down a, a train in a, in a guideway at, at 300 miles an hour, you know. Uh, <laughs> but folks are not exactly willing to invest the time and money into uh, doing it right. Um. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's, it's tough to sell people on a project like that that's so far out, too. Like, the idea that you won't see it in two to three years is, I think, a, a stopping point for a lot of people. Yeah, especially when you're, like, digging, like, big tunnels and all that crap. I mean, look what happened to California high-speed rail. Mm. Uh, they, they've, um, well, it's not, it's not technically canceled, but now, now the, the Trump administration is trying to claw back all the funding as part of their pledge to, for infrastructure, you know. Uh, every week. Every week is infrastructure week. <laughs> it's, it's infrastructure week. And, and, and I, I can't believe we're three years into infrastructure yeah, week. It's, 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 it's week 158 of infrastructure week. The waitresses are still serving the veal. The dance never ends. It's, oh, God. Um... <laughs> Well, let me ask you this. I'm, I, I don't want to keep you too, too much longer, but, like, I wanted, I wanted to ask you this, and, and this might be a long answer. It might be a short answer. Um, obviously, time is, is a thing, and, and it's difficult to get things done. I know this. I appreciate this uh, as, as much as anyone, the idea of having, like, big ideas and big projects and a limited amount of time to do them. But if you had, like, all the time in the world, just, like, an, a, an open vista, and however you want to imagine this exists for you is, is fine. Uh, magic or, you know, murder, or however you want to understand how you've got all this time on your hands. Um, wh what would be the, the, the Skylines or the just do not eat brand or whatever project that you would be like, that's kind of like a dream project of yours, a big, you know, massive dream project that might not be practicable, but you think would be uh, really good. I see. If I had all the time in the world, what I'd do is I'd go grab a, a shovel and I'd start digging an extra subway line in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, you'd, you'd make it real. Like you just like yeah, all right. yeah, exactly. It's like I mean, let me let me go start. Digging. I mean, we yeah, they, uh, we need one. Uh, it's 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 kind of dire. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's absurd. I can't get. There's no subway on the boulevard or something like that but <laughs> yeah this uh, I, I mean for for a guy that is uh is passionate about uh, public transit as you are i imagine philadelphia is um constantly a disappointment in that regard uh yeah it's uh it, it, there, there's a lot of places that could use service that do not have it uh, i i mean so obviously like the, the the project i'd be doing if i had all the time in the world I would straight up just be Franklin. I mean, I'm already doing the project. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, so really, like, your your dream project is the project you're doing. That's a... Uh, yeah, pretty much. I, I don't know how many people can say that. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, do you think, do you, in your heart of hearts, do you think you're going to finish Franklin? Do you, is it going to get to a place where you want it to? Well, I, I don't know what else I'd be doing, <laughs> so... <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I guess if, I guess if they give you a contract to start digging uh, subway lines, you know, we 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 will we will see the end of Franklin. They, they, I don't know if I can go in. I I feel like I'm not going to be able to submit a responsible bid for digging a subway line. You know, please submit your qualifications. I, I I'm a guy. I have a shovel. Uh, you know, send them. Let's do I'm, I'm going to be really cheap. It's like that's the that's the main thing. Comparatively, you're going to pay me a, a, a luxurious salary, but compared to what you pay, we got three. We got three bids. We got three bids from a Aecom, Bechdel, uh, and uh, Tudor Perini, and, and, and me, guy with shovel. <laughs> guy with shovel. <laughs> I want to hear more from guy with shovel. <laughs> it's a very Philly pitch. I got to tell you that it, like it has that going for it. I feel like the city would get behind you. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been really, really fun. Um, people can find you all over the place. You're on Twitter at do not eat uh, zero one, which uh, which yes. feels unfair that someone got do not eat before you. Um, I no, I, I I respect a guy because all he does is post pictures of um, of uh, silica gel packets. <laughs> 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 okay. All right. Well, that's good. That's uh, <laughs> I, 
I'll, I'll, I'll respect that. That's actually, uh, it, if someone had to get it, I'm glad it's them. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they can find you on YouTube. Uh, your channel is Do Not Eat. Just, uh, I, I, I never know how to link to YouTube. It's very hard for me. So, like, I just, I just Google Do Not Eat YouTube, and you'll find it. Hey, yeah. Um, and your Patreon. Yes. That one is just do not. Okay. Eat. And and what what tell people what they get with the with their Patreon uh So it was supposed to be a bonus episode once a month, but that we're we're way behind that schedule. So it's a bonus episode once in a while. Hey. Uh and it's gonna be something something kind of fun, right? So the first bonus episode I did that was behind, you know, the Patreon wall was Killdozer. Uh next one I'm doing is the Boston Molasses disaster. <laughs> I don't know what to do after that. Uh, it's going to be fun stuff, though. I, I, anything with social importance is going to be free. Uh, f- the fun stuff, you got you to gotta give me a dollar uh, <laughs> on Patreon. <laughs> I mean, and it's only a dollar? You're, 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 you're doing the street fight model? Yeah, one dollar. That's impressive. Um, if I could charge less, I would. <laughs> I like. I feel like I, uh, I, I, I'm such a bad businessman with that because I, I, uh, on my Patreon, I'll always, I, I set it at five. And that actually got a response. And instead of being like an economist and like being like, well, that's because people have responses to certain f- thresholds. In my mind, I'm like, oh, geez, I better offer some people. Uh, I better tell the people who are getting it for one dollar that they can have it for free forever. Like it's just, it's not fair. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's why that, that I, a buddy of mine, uh, I can't remember what his Twitter is at this point, but a buddy of mine was a long time ago saying uh, socialists need to need to be more active about getting all the money away from the capitalists. And I thought, well, it's sort of part of a part of the proposition of being a socialist or a communist that you're supposed to feel like you can't be a capitalist about it. You're swiping the money from the rich people. It's marketing luxury goods as practice. There you go. Yeah, no, you should you should release a, a, a like a line of tennis bracelets or something. That is just the, the do not eat line. I'll, I'll start a, I'll start a Lamborghini deal. It's like a, that's my price. A small, a small gold, uh, gold <laughs> shovel on the back of all the Lamborghinis, parking who they who they're from. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Look at all this money I took from capitalists <laughs> and invested it. It's my own capitalism through, through selling them expensive goods. <laughs> <laughs> really, Lamborghini is the most revolutionary company out there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, go go follow Justin on all that stuff. Um, I you you've been a fantastic Twitter follow, uh, and I you know. Now, now that I've seen more of your work in prep for this and, and in thinking about about this, I'm definitely going to become a patron as well. Um, good stuff. Uh, and, and please, uh, come on again. I'd love to have you back uh, the next time anything uh, yeah. cool happens. I, I love to go on podcasts. Well, you are more than welcome here. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem.